This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Bridgeway, and happy 4th of July weekend. It's so good to see you here today. I want to add my words of welcome, and I want to ask you to do one more thing. Uh, it was just an amazing week. I was here for, for one of the nights of VBS. Total madness, just seeing all these kids, and yet such an, an awesome experience for them to meet Jesus. I, I just, that happens through uh, a ton of volunteers, and especially our great team uh, of Jay Seekers, and so Christine and Becca and Shell and Nancy, could you put your hands together for that great team and all that they did? So, so good. Ah, so, so fun. I just can't help but think what, what that moment is going to mean in these kids' lives for, for the rest of their time. And, you know, I think a lot of people think that the church sort of slows down in the summertime and, and we're just kind of cranking things up. In fact, not only VBS last week, but I want to ask you to please keep Pastor Mike in your prayers this week. He is out in the Grand Tetons. He took uh, a crew of people out there backpacking and kind of a, a spiritual renewal trip. And so uh, keep them in your prayers as well. We had Justin in Gatlinburg two weeks ago and now Mike in the Tetons. I'll tell you, just as your pastor, I, I kinda, I'm just kind of grateful when everyone makes it back home safe. You know, I feel like one of those you know, pastor parents and just uh, so good to see our church just uh, doing some great things this summer. If you're new or visiting with us or just tuning in online, uh, we kicked off a series a couple weeks ago really looking at our words, words to live by. I've been thinking a lot about words, words that are said, words that are spoken, words that are written, words that are, are, are tweeted and typed and texted, and, and, and how these words matter so much in the grand scheme of, of life. In fact, uh, we've been looking at these words, and my hope is that each week we could just kind of keep the bar real low, just take one word and try to not just learn this word, but actually commit to applying these words to our lives. And so the first week of the series, I tried to teach you this one word that's really more of a prayer, and the word was help. And I've been hoping that you've been leaning into that, just kind of making that your little prayer throughout the day, help. Lord, help me. God, be my help. God, help me to help someone else. And then last week, we looked at maybe a, a bolder word. We looked at a word that, that kind of requires that you kind of draw a line in the sand, and you just say, enough. And that could be a personal decision to draw a line in the sand and say whether it's a habit or a sin or a thought, you just are saying enough. Might be against things that you see going on and you say enough. I'm going to live my life in the direction of Jesus. And now we come to this week and by that little video, it's probably easy and obvious to guess where we're going. The word of the day, the word I want to talk about today is the word friend. How do we become the best version of a friend that anyone ever meets? And not only that, but how do we along the way, how do we, how do we gather? How do we become a tribe of people that have sort of our, our friends very close to us? And we learn what it means to actually have spiritual friendships. I feel like Mr. Rogers up here this morning. I was looking at my notes all week, and I'm like, this seems so obvious, right? I mean, shouldn't we have figured this out by now, how to, how to friend, how to figure out who our friends are and how to be a good friend? Well, the truth is, the data would say that we struggle with this today more than ever before. In fact, the kids in the room, I love having you here today, and if you think that making friends are difficult as, as a kid, it can only get harder as you get older in life. In fact, over the last couple of years, there's been some really interesting dynamics when it comes to 
friends. In fact, when it comes to friends, uh, it becomes harder and harder to make friends in this post-COVID environment. In fact, um, there was a study that was done just this past May, so it's really, really fresh, really, really recent data, but they've said that most Americans right now indicated that they have, because of COVID, they have fewer friends. And friends defined by two categories. Number one, someone that they can talk to. Less people in their lives that they can talk to. And number two, less people that they can rely on. In fact, this study revealed that among adults, 60% reported losing friends during the COVID era, uh, mostly due to drift, but 46% reported losing friends due to this like unresolved conflict. Like There was a tension and it wasn't resolved and now the friendship is completely gone. In fact, this article was so interesting. It talked about how how sociologically we've moved in this direction where we don't even really consider how we could rely on other people as our friends. In fact, this article pointed out that there are two companies that have kind of risen in popularity because of the sake of not having friends. And those two companies were, believe it or not, were, were Uber and Airbnb. Think about that. I mean, we used to not need Uber because if you needed a ride to the airport, you just called up a friend. And, hey, can you pick me up from the airport? And then the whole Airbnb idea started off as, like, really this necessity because we used to have friends in all sorts of places. And we would just say, hey, can I just crash at your place? And now because we have less friends, we need to rely on these other organizations. Kind of interesting, they cited that the peak of friendships was 1990. I kind of took note of that because 1990 is when I graduated from high school. My wife and I, Sean and I, high school sweethearts, best friends. And I could relate to the data because they said in 1990, the average adult had 10 friends that they could count on, someone that they could pick up the phone and talk to and count on. And now today, not that long ago, now today, the average adult has a mere three friends that they can count on. It's devastating at all ages and all categories of people, Uh, but we've seen this decline in friendship today. Yet, study after study proves that friendships are not only desired, but they improve your overall satisfaction in life. In fact, in life, if you have friends, it's proven that you will have a better degree of emotional health, you will live longer, you will have lower blood pressure. You could almost say that, you know, you could have a motto where it's make a friend or die, right? Kind of dramatic, but that's the truth. It really helps to have friends in your life. Bigger problem today is is we kind of have pseudo-friends. We measure our friendships by maybe the number of people we have on social media that like or comment or, or are connected to us in the digital realm, but it becomes difficult when we then try to talk to those people in real life. It becomes very difficult not only then, But it gets even more problematic when you find that you might have friends that are on the opposite side of hot topic issues. What do you do when you have friends and you find out that they're on the other side of big issues like gun control or immigration or Roe versus Wade? And then we live in this culture today that just says, well, I just won't associate with those people anymore. And our friend group gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so I think there's a real need to figure this out. In fact, even in Bridgeway here, um, we did a survey looking at kind of spiritual growth, and we asked for your input, and 58% of you responded back in our survey uh, with a desire for help 
in this area of relationships, how to make friends, how to resolve conflict. So today is a conversation about that. How do we learn this word friend? And how do we have a network of people that truly enrich our lives? I want to go to a place in Scripture that I have a feeling you've probably read before. So if you got your Bible, I invite you to turn to John chapter 3. As I've been saying, John has sort of been my summer hangout for the first part of the summer. I've been reading a little bit of it every day. I'm almost to the end of it. And I find that when I read the book of John, it, it introduces me to what I've been, been finding is this real Jesus. And by real, I mean you see Jesus in the scriptures and he's, he's raw. He's kind of unbridled. He, he does things that are sort of surprising that you don't see in the other gospels. And I've been reading through this and I think this part of John, John chapter 3, I've read so many times, and yet I've missed out on exactly what Jesus teaches here about friendship. In fact, uh, if you've been following along in the series, uh, we've been looking at these moments, and in, in the first series, we looked, at John, uh, we looked at Jesus, and he is at this wedding in Cana, and he does his very first miracle. And yet Jesus is kind of trying to be hidden, trying to be unseen, and yet he's kind of thrust into the forefront of the crowds, this miracle of turning water into wine. And then last week we looked at another bold move of Jesus. He's, he's on the scene, but now he's in the temple. And he's not just doing a miracle. He's actually showing the muscle of God. And he's, he's turning over the tables of the money changers. And he's driving with a whip. He's driving out these animals. It's this dramatic scene. You get to John chapter 3, and you feel like you've finally got Jesus where he's sort of in a moment where he can kind of just cool his jets, right? Just maybe put up his feet on a recliner, and we almost get that scene until he's interrupted by one man. And what we're going to read about is, is a dialogue between Jesus and this one man, Nicodemus. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more about Nicodemus in a moment. But he comes from the Jewish ruling council, meaning he was part of that Jewish temple that Jesus just caused all this uproar. He turned over these tables, and you would think that someone from the temple would pay a visit to Jesus and talk about his recent behavior. But that's not at all what Nicodemus wants to talk about. In fact, I want you to read this conversation with me in light of friendship. And oh, by the way, this has the most famous verse uh, of all time, John 3.16. I know you've heard it. I know you probably know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And I want you to see that this morning in the light of friendship. So John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify 
to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It's a dialogue, and it's Jesus and this temple official, Nicodemus. Now, let's just start with Nicodemus for a moment, because he's really the one who comes and seeks out Jesus. Now, first of all, we know a lot about him in this text. It says in verse 1 that he's part of the Jewish ruling council. That's kind of a loaded statement. Uh, It meant that this Nicodemus would have been, number one, he would have been, had to be a male to be part of the Jewish ruling council. Women were not allowed at that level of leadership in the church. And he also had to be an older male. He had to be at least 60 years old. That's key to this conversation. He would have been highly educated. He would have been highly successful. In fact, Nicodemus would have been trained in Jewish law. Uh, He would have had, get this, the first five books of the Bible completely memorized. He would have been an expert in Torah. Have you ever read through the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? He didn't just read them through as if they were some sort of, you know, checklist in his U-version reading plan. He would have had them completely memorized. That's like a huge portion of the Bible. Completely memorized. This guy would have been smart. He would have been respected. And he would have been receiving a paycheck from that Jewish temple that Jesus just flipped the tables over. And he comes to Jesus at night. I think that says something about Nicodemus. He he wants to kind of stay in the shadows. He doesn't want anyone to see him seeking out Jesus. And it speaks to how he wants to be incognito, but he's not coming as, as anything more than just a seeker. He's got questions about how the spiritual life works. He's not at all raising issue with what happened in the temple. And he comes to Jesus, and this is the great, the great paradox of the scriptures, right? I mean, here's Nicodemus, highly accomplished in every way, and he comes to Jesus. Jesus never went to school Jesus has no credentials at this point. Jesus didn't get his doctorate from Fuller Seminary, right? I mean, by all accounts, Jesus looks like an underachiever to the world around him. I mean, he's not biblically trained. Uh, He's a carpenter's son. Um, He's not even all that successful in that category, right? He's he's currently not even working as a carpenter. He doesn't have a home. He's not married. He's, He's couch surfing from place to place. I mean, this couldn't be two more opposed individuals in the way in which they've lived their lives. And Jesus says to this highly successful older man, you must be born again. I know you can kind of get caught up on that language, born again, born again Christians, kind of been a term that's been sort of capitalized and even abused to this day. But the way Jesus says it, it's it's life-giving for Nicodemus. You must be born again. It's almost like Jesus is saying, everything that you've thought about religion up to this point is wrong. Nothing that you've done counts, Nicodemus. Everything must change. And here's the beautiful thing about this that I've just recently discovered in this story. You know, you can, you can go to any world religion. I've studied them all. And you can go to any other religion, and no other religion does what Jesus does. Jesus extends this, this hand of friendship to Nicodemus. No religion does it. You can go to Islam, 
You can go to Confucius. You can go to Buddhism. You can read all the Hindu. You can be as, as Zen, med- meditation, transitionalist. You can do all of that and still not receive the friendship that only Christianity offers, this friendship of Jesus. See, John 3.16 isn't just good theology. It's not even just good news. I believe John 3.16 is this declaration of what God calls us to as believers, to have these friendships that are based on our spiritual lives. And Jesus was more than just a listening ear or even a wise sage. He's offering to Nicodemus this friendship. And I think this really gives us the roadmap for us as well. I think that the best thing that you or I could do for someone is to introduce them to Jesus. And this is kind of strange, right? I mean, Jesus having a conversation with Nicodemus, he's introducing Nicodemus to himself, right? That's kind of a strange way to do that. And I think almost by third party, it's so much easier for us. I mean, it's so much easier for us to introduce people to the person who's changed our life. I mean, we should be able to talk and speak about what Jesus has done, or maybe even to talk and speak to the questions we still have about faith and life and what we're still growing. Maybe we've got opportunities to lead people in this direction of, of where our spiritual lives are going because it never stops, and, and we're not afraid to talk about our beliefs and our church and the people around us that's growing us. We have this opportunity to just be these spiritual directors to friends and people around us. And I think in this case, this is what Nicodemus needed. He needed someone to come alongside of him. I don't know if you've ever had that. I don't know if as you're listening to this message this morning, my, my hope would be that as you're hearing this idea of friendship, that there's almost like this little counter going off in your mind right now. That maybe as I'm talking and as I'm giving you this message, that in the back of your mind, you're starting to roll through images and faces and names and people that are friends in your life. And I don't know what you get to. Maybe, maybe you get to one, right? Like you get to one friend or one best friend. Maybe you get to two. Maybe you get to three. Maybe, maybe you defy all the odds and, and you get somewhere like six, eight, or ten people that are in your life and, and they've introduced you to this way in which Jesus has changed their life. I think we need this, and I think this is what's so beautiful. In fact, I think this is sort of beautiful, but it's also a bit unheard of, the way in which Jesus is, is entering into this conversation. I mean, you have the younger man, Jesus, right? And he's having a conversation with the old man, Nicodemus. How often does that happen today? I mean, Jesus at this point in his life is about 30, 31 years old. Nicodemus is at least 60. And so you have these worlds that are so far apart, right? I I don't know. Today, we would maybe say, well, those are different generations of people. You know how easy we classify people? Like someone in their 60s today are what? They're they're baby boomers, right? And sometimes, you know, there's probably a lot of you that fit that category. You're retired or you're nearing retirement. You're, You're a boomer, right? And then there's others in the room who are maybe younger than 30. And you're what? You're you're a millennial, and how hard is it sometimes to get people on these two different, different generations to see things eye to eye? In fact, I often hear how frustrated one is with the other. Okay, boomer, right? Or, or okay, millennial. And we take these odds and these differences. And, and I can say this for a fact because I sit right in the middle. I, I'm neither. I, I'm a Gen X, right? And Gen X, I, I always said, you know, we were kind of the greatest generation, Right? 
the greatest generation. I mean, we've got, we've got an X in our name. And that's kind of like a cross on its side. So we've got Jesus on our side as Gen Xers, right? You know, we're just the greatest ever. And yet, even for me, it's hard sometimes to, to find myself in these different camps and these different conversations. And I think what Jesus is showing us here is that our, our friendships need to cross boundaries. It cannot be defined by, by any metric, especially age. I think in this room we have such an opportunity. I'm so grateful on, on this holiday weekend that we have students and adults and boomers and beyond, right? We have all of us together. And I look out and I just see the wisdom that can be shared in both directions. And I think that's really the point, is, is the purpose of our friendship. Is our friendship actually bringing someone closer and deeper into the relationship with Jesus? You know, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> this idea goes way back. It even goes before the time of Jesus. I was doing some reading, and I came across the philosopher Aristotle. I know, not very, you know, exciting summer reading, but I couldn't put this down because Aristotle was actually wrestling with this as a philosopher. And I think secretly, the more I read about Aristotle, is he, he didn't have a lot of friends. I just think he was way up here in the clouds and struggled to bring it down to real life. And so he tried to kind of do it philosophically as to how friendship should work. And so he said this, this idea that we should have these friendships that fit these categories. And so he had three categories. He said you should have, every person should have a friendship of utility, a friendship of pleasure, and a friendship of goodness. This is so philosophical, right? But think about that. We, we probably have friends, hopefully, that fit all three of these categories. We have friendships that are utility. And by that, he would mean they're utilitarian, meaning they accomplish something. I'll kind of make an example of that. Like maybe you've got a friend and it's a coworker, right? And together, you and this coworker, you just get stuff done, right? I mean, you, you hit those reports, you meet those uh, month-end numbers, right? Because you're just, you're doing this utility and there's a friendship to it that just works. It could also work the other way. I was thinking this morning that you might have a friendship of utility. Like, you do a lot for that person, and you meet a lot of their needs, but they don't really, you know, get invested. They don't really get their hands dirty on your side of the desk. But it's still a friendship of utility. And we need those. And we need a friendship that are based on, on pleasure. And by that, he means, you know, someone that you can just enjoy doing things with. Maybe, maybe it's your hunting buddy or your fishing friend, right? Or it's, it's, it's the person that, that will drink cup after cup after cup of coffee with you. And you just enjoy. There's really nothing hard about it. It's just a, a friendship that's ba based on some sort of pleasure, some sort of, you know, idea that you guys do together. But I think for Aristotle, the real struggle was this friendship of goodness. <laughs> he says that we need to have these friends. And he would say these are the hardest friends because they require that you, that you give of yourselves looking for nothing in return. And this is for him the difference between just having a casual or a meaningful, but a, a lifelong friend. We're always seeking the good of the other. You're giving to them. You're celebrating with them. And man, as I, I look out this morning, this is what I would hope, is that as a church, as Bridgeway, that we, would, that we would have certainly friends of utility and friends of pleasure, but that as Christ followers, we would seek for the good of others. We would seek to have friends of goodness. Man, I'm so grateful for the friends in my life that, that seek my good and celebrate me when it's appropriate. And man, I want to do that for others. This is our opportunity to be a friend and to have a friend for life. 
The thing is, though, is that a good friendship and a friendship that's based on the goodness means that you also have to accept what Jesus does here, which is sort of hard. Do you notice that in this conversation, it's not like you have two friends who just see things differently, right? That's how I would describe so many of the issues in our world right now. You know, someone's got one point of view and the other person's got a counter point of view. And oftentimes, the conversation just gets left at that, right? Well, you have your idea and I have my idea and we'll just agree to disagree, right? And that might cause like a schism or a divide and that may end the friendship. And Jesus does not allow the friendship to go there. He actually bridges the gap with Nicodemus. He keeps pushing into what his real beliefs are. He's actually going for what do you really mean by that? And so he raises this issue of you must be born again. And Nicodemus is so confused by that. I mean, born again, how does that work? You know, if you're old like me, you can't enter a second time into your mother's womb. And Jesus says a second time, truly I tell you, you must be born again. You will never see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Jesus keeps demanding that this truth is known to his friend. He keeps challenging the assumptions that Nicodemus has about faith. Three times he says to him, very truly I tell you. There's this desire for Jesus to have Nicodemus know the truth. And I think this gives us another thought and another way in which we need to treat our friendships, which is a friend challenges you. I think we have a friend oftentimes that maybe says something challenging to us and we're just like, done, over, you know, we're, we're, we no longer need this friend. We're too easily offended. And yet this is the moment that I think we need to press in to what a good friend could say in truth. Nicodemus, you become too comfortable. And as your friend, Jesus, I'm challenging you. I, I had a, a moment just this week where uh, I was having a conversation with a friend I've known for a long time, pastor friend, and I mean, it's probably been 14 or 16 years that we've known each other, and I just was seeking this person's advice and counsel, and, and I just respect this person greatly, and, and I really want to finish well. I'm at, I'm at 50. I don't know if you realize that, but 50 is sort of like this halftime, right? Like the game is half over, and I got maybe a quarter or two left in me, and, and, and I just want to finish well in every category, just as a husband, and as, as a father, and as a, as a friend, and certainly as a leader and a pastor, and Oh, by the way, you know, pastors don't often finish well. In fact, we have sort of a track record these days of not finishing well. And so I'm leaning into this friend, and it was one of those conversations I just, I didn't want to end. And I didn't want to end not because it was easy. It was actually really hard for this friend to kind of tell me things in my life to, to really think about and to shape and to think about the impact that I'm making in the future and on the world. And, and yet I'm so grateful for this friend to not hold back and to actually challenge me with his counsel and his advice. It reminds me of Proverbs 27, 17, right? I mean, iron sharpens iron. And I got to tell you, we, we need that. We need to maybe at times even be, be unafraid to be a little roughed up by the truth and to allow that truth to sharpen our lives. I think we need that. We need more of that here at Bridgeway. We need people that are willing to challenge themselves, to challenge the norm and the acceptances that people have. And if you don't see that, then this is really the opportunity that you have to maybe open your eyes to the, the voices and the friends that are around you. See, if you don't allow someone to challenge you, then things will go unchecked and, I don't know, maybe things will just grow out of control. I, I saw this image, and I've been showing this image to as many people as I could. I hope you get this this morning, but have you heard about these apartments in China? This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, these apartments, there's like eight of these skyscrapers that were built. 
And they were all meant to be these like eco-friendly apartments and they were going to have like this green, green feel to them. And, and so every apartment was given a plant and then people started to move in, but the plants moved in first. And before they could sell out all the apartments, the plants took over. <laughs> in fact, the plants aren't the problem, it's the mosquitoes. And these huge skyscrapers are now like infested, overrun with mosquitoes. And the people that were living there now have had to leave. And there's only like a handful of people left in these apartments. It's crazy to think about these huge apartments, but only a few people. And the people who are living there are actually, as I've been reading, are, are people who have nowhere else that they can go. They're just kind of putting up with the mosquitoes and these out-of-control plants. And, and for me, this image is just so clear about how we need people in our lives. I mean, can you imagine if, if I don't know, somebody on one balcony was like, hey, George, why don't you trim back your bonsai tree a little bit, you know? And, you know, I'll trim back mine a little bit too, and we'll keep things kind of under control. And I've just been looking at this, and I've been thinking about how, you know, we got to tend to our own soul, our own garden, but we need other people to speak into our lives, friends that are unafraid to challenge and to help us to live these lives that we're called to live. Do you have someone like that? Do you have someone in your life that isn't afraid to say, hey, are you, are you tending to the soul that God's given you? Are you growing in all the ways that God's called you to? Say, I think this is a friend. There's kind of an old saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I tell you, the, the future that God has in store was never intended for you alone. It was always intended for you and the people that God is placed around you. So on this 4th of July weekend, I just simply want to ask you this morning with as much sincerity and, and candor as I can to just seriously lean into this question this morning. Just one question as Charles and the worship team come up to join us on stage. I just want to ask you, do you have one person? Do you have at least one person that's caring for your spiritual life? And if you do, celebrate that this morning. I mean, be grateful. I mean, think of that person, think of their name, think of their face, and, and celebrate them. But don't stop there. Is there someone that could also say that of you this morning? Are you someone that is caring for the spiritual life of someone else? And again, don't stop there. There's no limit on the number of people that we're called to care for and to friend with and to draw in closer build bridges instead of to divide and to tear down. I love this church and I love the opportunity we have to be difference makers in our world and that starts with each and every one of us here. And so I just want to pray for you and just invite you for a few moments of reflection as Charles and the team leads us. If you would simply just bow your head I can pray for you please. God what a radical call that you call us to. You don't call us just to be truth tellers to just know the answer. You call us deeper. You call us to this friendship. Friendship first with Jesus and then with the people that you placed around us to be, to be people that unite and build up. God, this is a radical call. This is so frightening at times. But it's also the most wonderful thing and it's so desperately needed in our world today. So I just pray, Lord, that you would move in us and you would help us to be the type of people that gather others and build close friendships, Lord. And in becoming a friend of Jesus, become, we become a friend of so many others, Lord. I think of those who need friendship right now. They're lonely and they're isolated. 
and yet they're just within our reach, God. And so lead us in this way of spiritual friendship. We thank you, we thank you, Jesus, for being a friend, a friend to us as sinners. And so we give you all of our praise and all of our worship. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide. 